Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning and get to worship together. Um, thankful for getting to sit in hard places together. Um, it is a gift that the Lord gives us that we don't have to journey through these things alone. We don't have to go through grief um, and, and hard things alone. And so I'm thankful that we can come together today and to say this is hard, um, and yet the Lord is good and he is with us. And so we're going to talk more about that as we, as we go through our text today. As uh, Beth just mentioned, this Sunday marks the beginning of Holy Week. And so we are um, sitting in Palm Sunday today. So the palms, palm leaves that we get to, to wave and, out of celebration um, are the way, is the way that we start Holy Week. And yet we don't stay there. In between this, this like Palm Sunday, this celebration of Palm Sunday, and then um, our celebration next week when we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we have a whole week in between that there's a lot that, that happens in the midst of that, and um, it goes downhill very quickly. Um, and so uh, we're going to sit with that today. So just to kind of walk through parts of Holy Week, like I said, this today, Palm Sunday, um, by Thursday, we're at, at the Last Supper, the Passover, when Jesus is uh, celebrating the, the Passover with his, his disciples. From the supper, they go into Gethsemane, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus um, hits a low point and is crying out to the Father. That leads then to the cross that we, that we'll, we will be sitting with on Good Friday, and then to the resurrection. A lot happens in the space of a week. And some of it can feel very dissonant at times. Like on a Sunday like today, the palm, the palm branches and the cheers of the crowds at Palm Sunday, when they're waving their, their, the palm branches and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus coming into Jerusalem on the donkey and being cheered by the crowd quickly turns into whips and mocking as Jesus carries his, his cross to Golgotha, all within a space of this week. And so we sit also in the dissonance of this week. And we also sit in the dissonance of this already not yet reality. In the promise of the, of the kingdom that's coming and yet also in the wake of violence and death around us. We sit with Jesus as he goes to the cross while also knowing that the rec- resurrection is coming. And we see the dissonance in our own lives and in our world, and we can't help but cry out, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? When is the restoration of all things? So let's look at our text for today. We're going to be in Matthew 26, and we're starting in verse 36. So then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. And then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, Let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples, excuse me, and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, 
So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hand of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you on a Sunday such as this, God, looking for words that at times are hard to find. When our hearts feel heavy, when things seem confusing. We pray, God, for your presence with us. We need you, Jesus. As we walk with you toward the cross, be close to us, we pray. May we sense you, God, and may we find you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our text today locates us in the the middle of Holy Week with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, And it is from this place that we are talking about the practice of surrender. Y'all excited? <laughs> I'll admit, I have been looking forward to this sermon for a couple of weeks now. And when I got to this week, I was like, really? <laughs> um, but the Lord is good to us. So yes, so as we've been sitting in our spiritual practices during the time of Lent, today, at the beginning of Holy Week, we get to talk about the practice of surrender. Jesus just has had his last Passover dinner with the disciples, and then he has gone into the Gethsemane to pray. But he doesn't go alone. He takes his disciples with him, and he asks them to wait and to pray with him. But then he goes further into the garden on his own, and we see and we hear him crying out to God. One commentator said that if the transfiguration was the moment of showing the disciples, and specifically these three disciples, um, Jesus' divinity, then Gethsemane is the moment of showing them most acutely his humanity. And yet, I think there are ways that Jesus' surrender in the garden point to both his humanity and his divinity. And that's what I want us to talk about today. So first, looking at how... Jesus' surrender um, is a part of of his humanity, of who he is as a human. As Jesus comes into the garden, Matthew tells us that he is deeply grieved and agitated. And he tells the disciples as much, that he is grieved even unto death. And then we hear him cry out to God, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But not what I want but what you want. 
Jesus crying out from the depths of who he is. But it's interesting, as we sit with the words of Jesus in this, in this part of the text, what we see is that Jesus' prayer in the garden has allusions back to the Lord's prayer that shows up in Matthew 6. Similar words, similar thoughts that are there. Jesus starts by saying, my father, just like we start in the Lord's prayer by praying our father to our father. That this is not just like going out into the cosmos somewhere. But there is a deep relationship that is to be found here. My father, Jesus prays. Our father, we pray as we start to pray the Lord's prayer. Not my will, but your will, Jesus is pray. Jesus prays. Just like we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see Jesus telling his disciples to pray that they don't come into a time of trial just like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. And I think it's interesting that he is essentially praying the same way that he taught us to pray. He taught us how to pray from the depths of our humanity, from our greatest needs. And so we are, when we are praying the Lord's Prayer, we are echoing the deepest emotions of Jesus during his earthly life and of ours as well. So let's sit with this and let's ask the question, what is happening to Jesus in the garden from a human perspective? The reality is, is that Jesus gave up his life before he ever got to the cross. It's fair to say that he laid it down in Gethsemane. Not my will, he says, but yours be done. And what we see here happening with Jesus in the garden it has a name to it. Um, something that we call spiritual indifference. Now, we hear this word indifference, and that sounds like off-putting, right? It sounds kind of like putting something at a distance, which is what it is, but it's not to say that it means apathy or that we don't care. Instead, what it means, the indifference is not turned toward God. Instead, it is turned toward the things of this world that keep us from following God. And therefore, one way to talk about spiritual indifference is to call it the freedom to say yes to God and the invitations of God, and to say no to the things that would draw us away from God. So let's say that again. So spiritual indifference, this idea that we can have the freedom to say yes to God and the invitations of God, and to say no to those things which would draw us away from God. It means not being held back by our allegiances, and therefore we're able to let go of what outcomes may arise out of the decisions that we make. Another way to talk about indifference is to say it means being as free as humanly possible to follow the call of God. To be free as humanly possible to follow the call of God. Indifference looks like freedom to give of our time, our money, our possessions, our vocation, maybe our identity, maybe our comfort. Maybe it means letting go of places of, of fear. Maybe it means letting go of places of hurt. Maybe it means even giving up our own life. Anything that is holding us back from following the Lord is what we're talking about here. To be free. To say these things that tend to hold me back or, or cause me to like question whether I can really follow the Lord with my whole heart or not. I get to look at those things and say those are the things don't have a hold on me. Yet I am free to follow the Lord in all that he is asking me to do. 
So this spiritual practice of surrender or spiritual indifference, as we call it, is seen throughout Scripture. So we look at different places in Scripture and we see it happening. We see it happening with Abraham when he leaves his country and goes to the where the Lord has called him. But even more so when Abraham walks up the mountain with Isaac and thinks he's going to sacrifice him. We see it with Samuel. Um, this idea of like Samuel being called by God and him, he like, kind of keeps getting up and saying, here I am, Lord. And well, actually he says, here I am, Eli. And Eli's like, not me. I'm not calling you. And so he goes back and he, until he finally realizes, oh, wait, it's the Lord that's calling my name. And he says, yes, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? We see it with Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the Spirit of God comes to her and tells her that she's going to have a son. And she looks at that even as an unwed young woman and says, yes, Lord, let it be as you have said to me. I will do what you call me to do. There's a Hebrew word um, called hene that like we see throughout scripture says, saying, basically saying, here I am. So when um, Isaiah comes into the, the, the great, temp, the great like, you know, heavenly hosts in Isaiah 6, and he says, like, woe is me. I am, you know, a man of unclean lips, and I'm, I'm of a people of unclean lips. Like, what would you have me to do, Lord? Here I am. I'm willing to be used by you. With Jesus, we see the ultimate surrender in that he is being asked to submit his very life. And just like any human, we see him struggle with this idea greatly. The reality is that in his humanity, Jesus does not want to die. Just like us, he does not want to die. And yet, somehow he experiences the freedom to say yes to God anyway. And I don't know about you, but the, the questions that come in my, up in my head are like, how? Like, why? How does Jesus get to this point where he's able to say yes? How is Jesus able to say yes to God, even when he knows it means laying down his life? And how are we, people who follow Jesus, able to experience that same freedom to say yes to God, even when we are afraid, even when we are unsure about what will happen next, what it is that the Lord is asking of us. It's here at this point that I think it's helpful for us to, to look at Jesus' surrender through his divinity. Jesus is able to say yes to the Father because of the re- relationship that has always existed within the Trinity. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit respond to one another in self-giving love and mutual submission. So even though we don't know what God's response was to Jesus in the garden, or even if he said anything at all, we can believe that Jesus knew how deeply loved he was by his Father. That he had always experienced self-giving love with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And that because of that love and that sense of self-giving love and mutual submission between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit... Jesus was able to trust in the goodness of God, even unto death. So part of my practice during this Lenten season has been walking through um, week three of the Ignatian exercises. So like the the Ignatian exercises are like a total of four weeks. And I mean, when I say four weeks, it takes months to get through them. But first two weeks are looking kind of walking with Jesus through his earthly ministry. When you get to week three, that is walking to the cross with Jesus. 
And then week four is walking with him in the resurrection. So during this Lent, I have been able to walk through week three um, with Jesus as he is going to the cross. And I've, I found that, that this moment of, in Gethsemane was especially poignant for me. And, and as we've talked about before, like in the Ignatian exercise, a lot of it is kind of imaginative reading, imaginative prayer, like putting ourselves into the, into the narrative to say, like, what are the feelings, what are the emotions that are happening for those in the story? So what is it that those who are around Jesus during this time are feeling? And what is Jesus himself possibly feeling? And with this part in, in Gethsemane, what I found myself meditating on mostly was what, what, not only what Jesus was feeling in this moment, but also what was God the Father and God the Holy Spirit experiencing? To see Jesus wrestling in this moment the way that he was, wrestling for his very life, and him crying out to his Father and saying, I don't want to die. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for God the Father? And God the Holy Spirit, to watch him struggle in such a way, to not want to just come and just rescue him and say, you know what, never mind, this is a terrible plan. <laughs> Why do we do this? But instead, to be in that moment and still say, yes, we're going to keep going. And what I found within each one as I sat with God the Father and God and Jesus and with um, and with the Holy Spirit. In each one of these, I found myself asking the same question with each one. You really love us that much? You really love us that much? That you're willing to pay the ultimate sacrifice? If you've seen the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, I've only watched it all the way through once. It is hard, and I cried the whole way through. Um, but there is one moment in that, in that film that strikes me every time, and I could watch it over and over again. And it's when Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's carrying the cross, and he falls down. And we see um, Mary, his mother, is standing nearby, and she sees him fall. And at the same moment that she sees him fall with the cross, she also has this memory going through her head of her son as a boy falling down and scraping his knee. And we see her in both, like, you know, the memory and also in real time running toward him to try to take care of him. And he looks at Jesus. Jesus looks at her in this moment as he's going to the cross, and he says, Behold, all things are being made new. That's why it was worth it. That's why Jesus could say yes to this moment, to giving up his life for us. is because he was making all things new. So what does this mean for us? It means that through his surrender, Jesus is revealing the nature of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit to us. And that God is three persons in one who live in self-giving love with one another. And therefore, we can trust that that love that the love of God and the goodness of God overflow to us as well. So if submission is the turning of our inner selves, our whole selves toward God, that means that in submission we recognize who God is, this God of love and of goodness. 
and that we are loved by him. And because we are loved, we are able to submit to the purposes of God in our lives by trusting that he is good. He is good. So a a few years ago, I was teaching a class on the goodness of God. And I'll admit, the reason I was teaching this class was because I myself was really struggling with the idea of God being good. Because I was sitting in a place of darkness And so my way of dealing with it was to say, I'm going to study this thing. (laughs) If y'all remember, I talked about study, what, a couple weeks ago? Um, I'm going to, like, see if I can, like, nail this thing to the ground, right? (laughs) Um, And the way that we were approaching the goodness of God was to talk about, like, the, the really hard parts of the text, the parts where it doesn't always feel like God is good, and see if to try to make sense of it. And so as I was getting ready to teach this class, and so I was kind of, you know, like submerged in this, all of these thoughts, um, there was one night where uh, my, my daughter, who was three years old at the time, um, woke up in the middle of the night. And she had been known to do this, like, you know, from this was sort of a, a kind of regular occurrence for her. Every so couple months or so, she would have just this night where she would just be awake for a couple hours for no particular reason. <laughs> And in her mind, she's like, I want to play. That's what I want to do. And so I walked into her room that night, and she was awake, very much awake, and wanted to play. And so as I was trying to get her to go back to sleep, she looked at me and she said, you know, you are very mean, and you are not a good mommy. (laughs) And um, I will admit, at first, I was really hurt, because I'm like, I'm up in the middle of the night with you. Um, obviously I love you. Um, and then I got angry (laughs) and was like, what? And, but thankfully the grace of the Lord was also upon me, um, to where I was able to feel a sense of compassion toward her. Cause I realized it's like in her mind, she's like, I want to play and you're taking this opportunity away from me. And all she can see is that one moment in time, right? That's all she can see. But as her parent, as her mother, I can see, like, the full picture and know, like, if you're awake for a couple hours in the night, like, you are not going to be happy tomorrow. And if you don't get the rest that you need, then you might get sick, you know, or there might be other ramifications from that. And so it's really important that you sleep. And it's really important that I sleep (laughs) as well. Um, And so as I I got her calmed down and back to sleep, I went and, and laid back down. And as I did, I could just sense in my spirit the Lord saying to me, it's the same way with me. You see this one moment in time that's hard and feels like I'm taking things away from you. And yet I see the whole picture. I see all that's good. All the good things I want to give you that I want to do in your life. And that was helpful. Now, I'd like to say that, you know, at that moment, I just surrendered it all to the Lord and, you know, all was good. But that's not the truth. Like, it really, there was more wrestling after that, more years of of really trying to, like, wrestle with the Lord to say, I'm not sure how I feel about this idea of surrender and submission. But the reality is, is that Jesus trusted in the goodness of his father. So that, that idea that, like, his father saw the whole picture. And he was able to submit to the, to the will of God and go to the cross. 
So the last thing I want to say about surrender, and it kind of relates to, like I'm saying, like this continual grappling I've, I've had in my life with surrender, um, is that sometimes I think we equate submission with kind of giving up or being complacent. Like, you know, like this, if I just, if I submit, then that means like, I'm just kind of giving up. Um, and I had somebody ask me after the, the last service, like this idea of indifference, that doesn't mean like we're indifferent to God. It means we're saying no to the things like of this world, but we're able to say yes to God. And so it's not this sense of just sort of giving up or being complacent. Instead, that's not even what we see in this text with Jesus at all. We see him leave the garden with as much or more resolve as he had before. His submission actually leads to action. He gets up and he says to the disciples, get up. Let's be going. We're going to meet this thing head on. And the same is true with us. Our submission actually leads us into action. But action that is surrendered to the will of God in our lives. It's holy action. Not just of our own doing. And it gives us the freedom to do what God has called us to do. So I have a couple of questions for you um, to think about around surrender. First of all, what does surrender look like in your own life? What stands in the way of, sur- of you surrendering to the will of God? Or maybe let's say it this way. Where do you lack freedom to say yes to God? Do you trust that God is good? in such a way that you're able to submit to him. I want us to look, um, as we close at this uh, prayer from St. Ignatius, a prayer of surrender. I I came across this prayer. Actually, a spiritual director gave it to me as I was on a silent retreat a couple of years ago. And I read through it, and I was like, I don't want to pray that. (laughs) That does not sound good. Um, but the more that I've, I've sat with it, I think it really gets at this heart of, of what it means to surrender to the Lord. So it says this, Take, Lord, receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, my whole will, all that I have and all that I possess. You gave it all to me, Lord, so I give it back all to you. Do with it as you will, according to your good pleasure. Give me your love and your grace, for with this I have all that I need. Do you hear that? This idea that everything that we have in our lives, even the breath in our lungs, comes from God. It doesn't belong to us. It never did. And any idea that we had that we did it ourselves... Is not right. It all has come from the Lord. And therefore, we give it back to him. And we say, you are a good God, and you get to do with this what you will. I trust you to do with me as you will. Because you are, you are trustworthy, and I am deeply, deeply loved. So it's in that heart that we can pray this prayer of surrender to ask the Lord to take all that is within us and do with it as he would choose. In Jesus' name, amen.